White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Ectorwall23 on Twitter. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. The show is at Locked On Sox, both on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And later on, you'll find out. The way you can win a White Sox prize pack. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see me with a snazzy-ass shirt. So mm. we'll talk, tell you a little bit later on. But without further ado, here's Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you doing on this Monday? Oh, it is. It's a post-Super Bowl edition. We'll get to, to that in a little bit. But it's episode 167 today of Locked On Sox. No mailbag today. We'll get to that tomorrow. We're going to talk about Trevor Bauer and him signing with not the White Sox. Let's get to that right now, shall we? The Trevor Bauer saga has ended. Uh, he has finally signed over the weekend. On Friday, it became public that he is now a member of the Los Angeles Doyers. And the contract, a three-year deal, $102 million guaranteed dollars. He'll be making $40 million in 21, $45 in 22, and $17 million in 2023. The contract also featuring opt-outs after years one and two this was a crazy crazy uh the way it trans transpired because i'm thursday night craig carden of wfan tweeted that uh it was a done deal bauer was going to be a met also bob nightingale uh later on tweeted the same thing and then it, you know things just didn't materialize and then friday afternoon uh, it became public that trevor bauer was going to be a dodger so herb your thoughts on the deal uh, what it means for the Sox, and just whatever other Trevor Bauer uh, uh, ruminations you want to get off your chest here. It's it's finally done, at least. I'll say that. I mean, the money would put Jerry into sticker shock. <laughs> He's already looking at it. It's like, oh, $100 million, too oh, much. Uh, hang on, hang on. He might be listening. Let's give a little disclaimer here. Hide the money, y'all. There's poor people around. <laughs> With your broke ass. Sorry, so I had to get that disclaimer out there. Hope no White Sox people were listening. Go ahead, continue. But it's ideal for him. It's under the five years that he likes for a starting pitcher. Uh, gives the pitcher a little bit of a power there with the opt-outs after one and two. $40 million is going to be, you know, sending palpitations all the way up and down his body <laughs> for one year of this pitcher, especially a pitcher who's only had one spectacular year and was uh, otherworldly year. But I think the White Sox would never have been in this thing. We talked about this episodes before that Jerry Reinsdorf will probably never sign a $100 million contract. And this contract, even though just over the $100 million mark, I think to have the Dodgers do it, sends a message and later on i know that uh joe sheehan wrote something on his uh newsletter that speaks to this the, the fact that the dodgers did this tells me that these owners are not broke or if they are specifically other owners have to just be like fuck it 
You know, just, you know what? We, we didn't make any money last year. Who cares? Let's play ball. You think Dodger fans are pissed at at the, uh, I don't even know who owns the Dodgers now. I'd piss the owner that if he doesn't go and sign Trevor Bauer, hell no. They're like, we're stacked. We're good. This case, they have to kick somebody who's probably a good starting rotation pitcher out of the rotation because they signed Trevor Bauer. They got to shove Dustin May off of the rotation or Urias off the rotation because they just signed this champion of a guy or Tony Goslin. So, yeah, I, I kudos to Trevor Bauer for working this deal out for himself. Kudos to Rachel Luba for getting this deal. Kudos for him playing it off the Mets media. You know, there was a lot of people saying it's cash. Mets got him. Yeah, we're good. And maybe they had a deal in principle or something close. But and I heard it was like 105 million. But Trevor and his agent worked this offseason to a T, got the exact deal that he wanted, and it's breaking the bank a little bit, and it's in his hometown of LA. I mean, what I mean, what can you say that's negative about the deal? There's nothing negative about Trevor Bauer going back to his hometown. Uh, of Los Angeles and being with that team that's a juggernaut, the reigning champions. Yeah, the uh, Dodgers are owned by a group called the Guggenheim Baseball Management. Uh, it's you know we know Magic Johnson is is one of the partners, but basically it's sort of like the White Sox situation where you have your shareholders, you have uh, you know your your investors, like and you have people you have to answer to. This isn't one person. You know, this this isn't the, the Mike Illich just throwing money around. You know what I mean? This isn't the wealthy Texas billionaire. Yeehaw! <laughs> Opt-outs for everyone. You know what I mean? This is this is a board of people who, who want to be, have answers, and they all were on board with this. You know what I mean? So, like, it's why it's disappointing because there are parallels here with the White Sox. It's not just one person running the show here, but this ultimately shows you, look, baseball and, and the finances. Baseball is going to be baseball, man. These were the two of the big market teams that were in this to the end. It's disappointing that the White Sox were not even rumored, but it's almost a relief in a lot of ways that you didn't hear. Uh, the, the White Sox were never, ever once mentioned by any any baseball reporter, any baseball insider about being in the mix for Trevor Bauer. Trevor, I think he wanted to be here. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he, he Trevor Bauer was actively he knew the teams that had money for his services, had a, had a room for his services like as in terms of roster spots available where he would be a natural fit. I mean, let's be honest, a top-tier starting pitcher has a fit anywhere, but he knew he's smart. He he looks at, at the league. He knew the White Sox were a team on on the come in the postseason last year, number one weakness, starting pitching, right? So he 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 puts them in the mix, and he incorporates the White Sox fans into his social media, into his YouTube presence, and he, and he makes us think that he's considering the White Sox all the while. You never, ever once heard the Sox made an offer, and I think that's really disappointing because we always thought – we mentioned this already ad nauseum, but you always thought that if the right person came along and the Sox were in their window, that the White Sox would be spenders when the time comes. And obviously, they proved that to, to be wrong. You know, I, whether or not Trevor Bauer is 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 worth it for for that AAV, and ultimately too, it ended up being the same type of premise. That we talked about, I think even maybe even before the pandemic, but this he's going to want high AAV, a shorter term deal. This is not a deal that's going to cripple any organization. The opt outs are there, which is which is good for both sides because you know if he if he goes to a team like the White Sox and 
you know, you're like, you know what, go ahead and opt out because, you know, we, we really don't want to pay you and this, this rebuild has, has gone awry and we, we're not competing like we thought. Why don't you go to a winner, then Trevor Bauer can go opt out and go somewhere else. I don't think that'd be a scenario that would happen, but there's basically freedom here for him to go on and, and be a place where he's happy, which, which he's earned that right as a free agent. But I can't say it any better than what, how Joe Sheehan worded it in his, in his newsletter. And if you don't subscribe to the Joe Sheehan newsletter, you should do so. And this is this sums it up perfectly here. The Dodgers, who fill their ballpark and its acres of parking lots as reliably as any team in baseball, lost more to the lack of attendance in 2020 than any team did. And they'll lose more to the lack of attendance in 2021 than any team does. They won't get to boost ticket prices following a championship either. With no good way to get an investment in Bauer, which will be $50 million all told this year, back at the gate, they signed him anyway. That's all you need to know right there. Um, we don't, we'll never see the books. They'll, they'll never open the books. We have no idea who has a bigger you know, pile of money they can dig into. It certainly it seems like the, the Mets this year have that pile of money that they don't care about, you know, and they have different, you know, revenue streams and the Dodgers, they have a massive TV deal, but that tells you all you need to know right there from Joe Sheehan, just any team could have, could have signed Trevor Bauer and they would have been okay. You know, you, you wouldn't have seen Jerry Reinsdorf with a, with a cup full of pencils on the street if you would have signed Trevor Bauer. So, but it did give me comfort that the Dodgers were the ones that, that that lured him away from the Mets because I think I would have been happy for our Mets fan contention out there, our our, our our friend Katie McCaffrey and all the other Mets fans that we know. I would have been happy for them, but it really would have been salt in the wound if Steve Cohen would have signed Trevor Bauer. And ultimately, that's the only comfort I take from this, Herbie. I wish he would have been a White Sox. It would have been a great fit. And it just it just did not happen, and so that I think I can answer this confidently from here on out. These Sox will never, ever sign a one hundred million dollar plus contract. I think you know everyone keeps asking on the mailbag. I think that it's set in stone now. This is not going to be a thing ever. Yeah, and I think people need to realize what Joe's talking about right there. He's talking about the Dodgers have the hardest. You know, they make. They have 49,000 people per game in 2019, not going to the games in 2020 at all. And then this year we might have, you know, uh, a smattering of crowd and maybe we get up to the 49,000 eventually, but we know Los Angeles and California prices are much more expensive than they are in, let's say St. Louis or Milwaukee or Colorado. So the average ticket price for the Dodgers is third. The Boston Red Sox 167 per, 145 for the Yankees, and 108 for the Dodgers. 108. Yes. And if you want to know about the White Sox, the White Sox are $81 per ticket uh, average. So think about 49,000 people, almost $100 each of them. Like They're missing out on that every game, 81 games a year. And they said, F it. We're going to dig into our pockets. We don't need to do this. We just won a World Series. We got what we what these fans wanted since 1988 is the championship. What we want is another championship, as I've referenced before. Getting one championship does not satiate anything. Just makes you hungrier for another one. And the Dodgers are hungry for another one. So it's very, very valiant of though that ownership group to say, F everything. Let's just go for it again. We don't need Trevor Bauer at all. But 
I see what the Padres are doing. I see what those some bitches are trying to come and get us. Never. Bye, Padres. Here's <laughs> here's Trevor Bauer. Enjoy Hugh Jarvis. We got a real dude over here. We got the guy who won the Cy Young over your man. So that's it's just a, it's just a nice breath of fresh air out there in L.A. You got the Lakers doing everything they want to do. You got the Dodgers doing everything they want to do. It's just a good time. Rams trading for a quarterback that might lead them to a, the next level. They got the rookie of the year in football with uh, Justin Herbert out there. It's good times in L.A. They pay a lot of money out there, pay a lot of taxes. But guess what? When it comes down to it, those L.A. teams that you hate and I hate, they get the job done. I want to make a larger point here about the White Sox organization and the fan base after a quick timeout here. And this episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag. Well, the football season is in the books. The big game is now over, but BetOnline.ag has plenty of things to scratch your betting itch all year long between college hoops and pro basketball, even hockey, MLB futures, which we'll get to in a future show. We'll talk about all the odds in MLB, but... uh, this big game tonight, uh, I know I took a little bit of a, of a bath on betonline.ag. We'll get to Herb's losses in a second, but there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust, and that's, of course, betonline.ag. You sign up today, you get a free account at betonline.ag and use our promo code Locked On, and that'll get you a 50% welcome bonus. Well, going into the game, uh, the, the, the big game, yesterday I had uh, Kansas City covering that was a no-go for me. Uh, I had first touchdown prop bet, Antonio Brown. I was close. He had the second touchdown. Gronk had the first, so no-go there. And I put in a prop uh, for will there be a safety in honor of my guy, and uh, there was no no safety. So I went 0 for 3 pretty quickly uh, <laughs> in the big game. What about you, Herbie? I bet all my money <laughs> on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers losing the game, mm. betting against Tom Brady, Ooh. which I did the week before or two weeks before when the Green Bay Packers faced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let this be a lesson to you with betonline.ag. Never bet against Tom Brady. If he's playing a game next year, if he doesn't retire, always bet on Tom Brady. Not on black, Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, man, it was, it was a rough go for us uh, on betonline.ag over the weekend, but there's still plenty of opportunities to uh, to earn that scratch back. But you can't do it unless you sign up for an account at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget that promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Locked on White Sox is also brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They've got 18 brand new flavors, and somehow the new and improved Built Bar is even deliciouser than before. Let me tell you, folks, I've been raving about my favorite new flavor. Well, it's not one of their new flavors, but it's a newly discovered flavor for me, the coconut flavor. It's got 17 grams of protein, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. And it's only 130 calories. Herb knows I keep it in my desk drawer at work, and I've, I've got a box that I keep at home for after dinner. So any cravings for dessert, I just you know get those out of the way with this, with this Built Bar, and I can do it guilt-free. 
But don't do what I did, folks. I ordered another box. This is box number two that I've ordered uh, with my own money and so to show you that I really enjoy this product. Don't do what I did, though. I forgot to enter that promo code locked on, which also it hurts me doubly. It hurts the fact that we don't get credit for the the promo code and they don't they don't know that we're you know supporting the product and also i didn't get the 20 percent off so don't do that make sure you enter that promo code locked on i know you've been getting into these built bars a little bit too recently uh what flavors are you digging well the caramel brownie of course that's one of my favorites is awesome it just goes down really smooth and i'm not a big time mitt guy but mitt brownie that flavor awesome it just works so perfectly, and and you know, of course, if we're gonna go talk about chocolate and peanut butter together, that is a home run. And like you, they sent out the new shipment to us, and I've been having them in my locker. And so, I work a twelve to two shift, and then I eat lunch at like two, and then there's that two to six p.m. thing where you're like, oh man, I just had some lunch. It's delicious. I enjoyed it, but. I need something to carry me over until I get home at like seven. Those are the perfect things for my diet. I'm going on. I'm on right now. 130 calories for some of them. At most, I've seen is 180 calories for in between snack. It hits the spot, gets you from one point to another. There's nothing better than a built bar for your day. Even if you're just gonna go work out, like it gives you a little extra oomph, a little extra energy. It's not like those regular protein bars you might have ate in the bat in the past. These uh, these protein bars, when Chris says it tastes like a candy bar, he's not joking. That's real. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you to come around to that coconut sooner or later. I know your 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 anti coconut agenda is shining through. I like it. You don't you don't. Not everyone has to like it, but it's 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 my ish right about now. The the new box I ordered, I decided to to mix it up so I don't tire of the coconut. I got one of the new flavors that I haven't tried yet, cherry barcia. And then I, I got an 18 pack, so six cherry barcia, six coconut, and also six uh, uh, carrot cake with almonds. So I, I dig that one very much. So I can't wait for those to get to my door. And so far, so good. Two weeks of really cutting down on the sugars and the cookies and the candies and the cake. And uh, I have a built bar to thank for that. So do what I did. Go to builtbar.com, but don't forget that promo code. Don't be stupid like me. Use our promo code locked on. That'll save you 20% at builtbar.com. And right now, uh, I got a free built boost with my purchase, and you can get that too. They've got flavors like root beer float and a smooth operator, tropical twist, cool breeze. Uh, and basically, they're little, they're little boosts that you can add, a boost of energy that you can add in like to your oatmeal or to your coffee or whatever, to your protein drink when you're working out it's great stuff right there so go to builtbar.com today use our promo code locked on and for 20 percent off at builtbar.com built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever and now back to locked on white Sox. get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new locked on today podcast peter bukowski hosts locked on today a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I, I think there's we have a real trust problem uh, as White Sox fans with ownership. We don't trust ownership. I don't think ownership trusts Sox fans. And I think both parties are right in this circumstance because how many times are, uh, have we seen, you know, we don't have to go back into the numbers or anything. We can just go from, from memory or anecdotally here. You know, how many times have the Sox now – they haven't fielded many good teams over the past 20 years. I'll, I'll say that. That's that's on ownership. That's on general manager. 
That's on everyone, okay? So there hasn't been a hu- a big reason to go out and support this the White Sox franchise in general over the past 20 years. You had 2005, which I was there. Uh, you know, we had season tickets that year. As, as, you know, it wasn't filled up every night. And a team that, that got off to a red-hot start wasn't at capacity every night like it should have been. Um, you know, White Sox fans have that chip on their shoulder and maybe they, they bring too much of the past in with them when, in terms of the way they view the future. But in 2005, that, that ballpark was not filled every night. They won in 05 and then 06, you, you see them, you know, breaking, you know, attendance records, you know, at least for that ballpark anyway. In 06, it was packed every, every day. You know, I was, I was there also. So I, I saw what winning a world series does. You get a natural bump. From you, you get the people that already want to be there. Then you get the fringe fans who maybe root for both teams, or you know, people that are now interested in baseball because of what your team did. And you, you're able to see that through and see it to fruition after winning a World Series. Things taper off in 07 and 08. You know, then we're back to you know not winning nearly enough as you should be. 2012, I remember. Okay, this is the 2012 team was was not an all world team. They won 90 games. Uh, under Robin Ventura, I think it was maybe it was eighty nine, but either way. But my point is, you know, you had this 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 thing. The White Sox fans kept saying around the All Star break, like, "I'm not going to go until they 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 trade for a real third baseman this time," and then they trade for Kevin Euclid. So they make a trade, and I was waiting to see if fans would show up. And I'm not trying to fan shame here, but they never really. That was a, that was a fun team in 2012. That was that team was in first place most of the year until it fell apart. Uh, at the end of the year, then White Sox fans said, like, oh, you know, I told you so. I told you this team would fall apart. But they never really bought in even after the Sox made a move at the deadline that made their team better. So I think there's trust issues here with Jerry Reinsdorf. He sees that. White Sox fans don't show up. But then on the other hand, the White Sox don't really put on a competitive product on the team every year for, for the fans to show up. So there's always skepticism on both sides. Like, I totally get fans saying oh they'll never sign a top tier free agent i i just said it myself because of the way ownership operates but then i see the other side of it ownership you look at your fan base like are they going to be able to withstand a move like this and are they going to fill the ballpark like they say they will because i'm not so sure all the time and and i'm not blaming the fans because like i said this team is is basically sucked more than it's been good the past 20 years but I, I think you you would agree with me like even when the team is good white Sox fans always skeptical you know, they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, always waiting for them to, quote, fall apart in September. So I think that that has a huge thing to do with this. And unfortunately, it's like this, this you know, you know, when you round and round, she goes this, this. It keeps happening and it keeps going like this. So ultimately, with this decision to pivot to the rebuild, I think finally, maybe, you know, you have a a, a team with sustainable success in place for, for at least the next five years where you know that you're going to get at least a, a floor of attendance. So maybe things are changing for the good because, I, you know, before I don't think when we saw the White Sox, we're like, this team may be good this year, but beyond that, who knows? You know, but I think now we finally have a team where you could say, okay, this team's going to be good for a couple of years. You know, I'm back on my feet financially. I'm working, blah, blah, blah. I'm just talking about a general, you know, if you're Joe fan out there, like I can make an investment in season tickets this year because I know things are back to where it should be in terms of the worldview and, and financially. I can make my investment in this team long term because I see they've made the commitment off the field to building a good team. So, you know, this is a two way street here and it, and it will continue to be this way. 
But I, I guess, you know, we'll, time will tell. Well, we'll never really know until 2022 because I don't think we'll see full capacity maybe until August, September if we're lucky. So we'll never truly know if, if the fan base will support because we always know that the, the, the piece of the pie for Sox fans is not as big as it is for, for the Cubs fans. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're fighting over, you know, uh, you, you, there's, there's fewer people out there just by numbers that are White Sox fans. You guys support this show. And you do it more than any other show on the MLB podcast network, on the Lockdown Network. So we know that the hunger is there. So, but do White Sox, does White Sox management know that that hunger is there? I'm not so sure. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's depressing when you think about it in that lens because I just don't think we'll ever quite get out of it. At least it's going to take another year for this thing uh, to, you know, for, for Jerry Reinsdorf to say, okay, I know I can bank on 3 million fans a year every year. You know, Cubs fans say what you want about them, but even when things were, you know, a little bit lean, they still would show up. Now, maybe not in in 11 and 12, but once you started showing a product on the field, like once you could see, okay, here's Chris Bryant coming. They may not win this year, but I'm going to show up to the ballpark because they're giving me a reason to. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know what to be said about this franchise, man. Like, I just I just worry it's forever going to be like this, and they're just going to have to draft and develop smarter than everyone. And to this point, they haven't shown me that. Maybe with under Mike Shirley and Chris Getz, they will do that. But uh, time will tell, I suppose. It's a direct correlation right back to Jerry Reinsdorf. When they opened the ballpark, now known as Guaranteed Rate, Comiskey 2 back then, it was a hit. People showed up. The first three years, 91, 92, 93, White Sox had over American League average attendance. New ballpark, new smell, everybody's seeing something different. It's not, it wasn't a great ballpark. I didn't like it back in the day when I went. I, I think I went and my first game was like 95, 96. So I didn't go in those first couple of years because the tickets were expensive and it was packed all the time. So um, you could see the direct correlation. When the 94 strike hits, they were up there in attendance below AL average. The table, I mean, the, the attendance fell off the table years after that. So it was 30,000 in attendance in 94. And from there, it went to 22, to 20, to 23, to 17, to 16. And it's never really got back up to 30s until, like you said, White Sox fans had to know that this shoe is not going to drop. In 2005, they were under AL attendance average for attendance. They won the World Series. And then next year, when White Sox fans know that they're a World Series champion and contending for the next one, 36,000 people show up. So, it's yeah, it's a wait and see. Finally, you gave me what I've been looking for forever, Jerry. Finally. And then they went over AL attendance those subsequent three years and haven't returned back to that. So six years out of since 91 have the White Sox gone over AL attendance. And I guarantee that is Jerry Reinsdorf fatigue for most White Sox fans. It's not that not wanting to support the team. It's not wanting to put money into that guy's pockets specifically because you could see it just fall off the table after 94 and then rebuild after the championship game, after a championship a year. I got to tell you, man, like I think about it a lot, you know, with, with in terms of the way this lines up for the White Sox. And, you know, I, I was a kid in 1994. I remember it vividly. It broke my heart. I've told the story before, you know, we were going to make a road trip to Toronto to see the White Sox take on the rival Blue Jays after they just knocked them out of the postseason in, uh, in I think it was August of 94, we were going up there, and then the week we were going up there, like, they went on strike, you know, and we know it's not a player's thing, a play, you know, it's just uh, just how history will tell it, the players went on strike, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pro player, I don't blame the players for what happened then. 
Um, but I see the correlations here with the, with this pandemic, man, and it just, it just feels like the White Sox are just snake bit uh, in terms of the you know the way this thing lines up for them and the finances, and it gives them a, a, a real easy excuse for them not to spend. Uh, but remember, like you know, had they not been you know just trudging water for so many years, indecisive. You know, bad drafting, poor free agent acquisitions, like not having a direction. Uh, the the off season of, of twenty fifteen, you know, or, or twenty sixteen, you know, you know when Joanna Cespedes was in his prime, not making an offer to him, you know, st- things like that, things moves that were right at the time that they didn't make. You know, you can whatever you want to make, just pick a move, any move. Like so many years of middling, and now it's bringing us to this where all of a sudden now they have bad luck. Well, they kind of created a lot of their own bad luck. I know they didn't, they didn't, had no any had any idea about the pandemic, and it does affect them, I think, more than other teams. Uh, but they they still should be able to withstand it, and I just I worry that 2021 is going to be the best chance for the White Sox to win a World Series, and they won't spend money to really see this thing through and and push it push it ahead. You know that that's my worry here. I hope I'm proven wrong, but the parallels are just kind of stunning, man. Like, and I think if you know if the White Sox fall flat, you know this year, and you know maybe they just they. They maintain like they get into the first round. Maybe they win a, a playoff series and then they kind of just taper out. I worry that that fan base is not not going to be back in 2022 because they didn't invest in the ball club. And you know, I'm worried we'll see a, a redo of the '94 strike all over again because you said it did take a while. Uh, it's a long time for fans to come back. So I hope I'm wrong again. But the parallels are, are, are pretty uncanny right there. But uh, you know what? We were going to break this up into a mailbag episode, but we just started going in there on, on Trevor Bauer and the financial implications and all that stuff. But uh, that concludes this uh, this Monday edition of Locked on White Sox, Herbie. We'll get to the mailbag tomorrow. So you may hear us mention that on tomorrow's episode, they all mailbag Monday, whatever. But we just went so long here talking about Trevor Bauer. Like, you know, it's our own standalone episode here. So that's all I got. Tomorrow we'll be talk to us Tuesday. We'll talk about... Uh, we'll get into your emails, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about Chris Getz and the plan, plan for Vaughn, whatever. We'll we'll figure it out. Uh, and Wednesday, we got emails on What Up Wednesday, but that's all I got for you guys today, Irby. All right, that's Chris Tannehill. Follow him on Twitter, at, at Chris Tannehill. Me, Herb Lawrence, Ecknerwall23 on Twitter, Instagram. The show, Locked on Socks on Twitter, Instagram, and Locked on Socks on YouTube. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. We'll be sending out a prize pack. Once 100 people join and subscribe, Chris will randomly pick some person to receive a prize pack. We've already sent one out. And if you're watching on YouTube, I don't know if we're sending this out on YouTube, but just imagine a great black shirt with locked on socks on a baseball diamond. It's beautiful and cursive. It's nice. It's uh, reminiscent of the old White Sox uniforms uh, back before the uh, pinstripe ones you have right now. So, Definitely ask your friends to go and subscribe. Hit the notifications bell for our Locked On Sox YouTube page. We're going to have a lot of content there for this upcoming year. So for Chris Tannehill, this is Herb Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this episode of Locked On Sox.